I know it's hard. It can be so hard changing habits, leaning on poor coping mechanisms like food, wine, shopping, and Netflix, trying to find an escape from the overwhelm you feel. But what if there was a better way? What if you could learn to steward your wellness to the glory of God? What if you could look at each decision as an opportunity to draw closer to him? Moving your body out of joy, fueling yourself with healthy, nutritious foods out of love, being filled with Christ each day as you make him an intentional part of your day, letting go of the toxic thoughts and feelings we have about ourselves. That's what we do in In His Image Wellness Collective. We work on total person wellness so we can show up as the moms, wives, friends, and women that God has purposed for our life. When you join, you'll get access to an incredible workout and nutrition platform, weekly meal plan inspiration, weekly devotional, a weekly prayer meeting over Zoom, daily support and guidance, a private group for accountability, and so much more. Send me an email at carlaargeswellness at gmail.com to get all the details on how you can become a part of this incredible community. I cannot wait to support you on this journey and introduce you to the incredible other women already on this journey. Again, email me at carlaargeswellness at gmail.com to get all the details. Or if you feel more comfortable, you can always DM me at Carla Arges on Instagram, and I'd be more than happy to connect with you there. Hey friends, welcome to Affirming Truths. I'm your friend and host, Carla Arges. This show is a safe place to share our struggles, grow in faith, and root our identity in Christ. My hope is that you will leave each episode feeling encouraged in your journey. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and it would mean the world to me if you would leave a review. I am so glad you're here. Let's get started. Hey friends, welcome to this bonus episode of Affirming Truths. I am so excited about my guest today. We met on Instagram, and I just fell in love with her heart. We are talking today to Rachel Elmore, who is a postpartum therapist, and she has a heart for women and she has a heart for Jesus. And, you know, that is in total alignment with what I'm all about. Welcome to the show, Rachel. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Carla. I'm so excited to get to be here with you. So one of the things that really drew me to your account and to you is, like I said, your heart for women and your heart for Jesus, but how you are particularly concerned and wanting to support women's emotional and mental health, which is huge on my heart. Um, And you really take it from the beginning of when a woman becomes a mom. And I really resonated with that because of my own hard experience with prenatal depression, postpartum depression, and and all of that. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? How did you get started in this? <laughs> well, it's like many authors and many therapists, it's us wanting to give the help that wasn't there for us back when we were struggling. And so I was already a licensed therapist and pretty established in my field when I had my first baby. 
And my older son, when I had him in 2011, uh, I was just absolutely in love. I loved being a mom for about three weeks. And about three weeks after I gave birth, it's like a light switch changed. And every postpartum depression and anxiety story is completely different. Even like with the baby blues, we are, I always say we are sisters, not twins, but it's like a light switch for me went off Mm -hmm. and I was afraid to pick him up while he was, while he was crying. I couldn't sleep at night. I, I just was not loving being a mom. And I was just honestly so incredibly sad. And so it was about the next morning I rolled over and touched my husband on the shoulder and said, I need to call a doctor. Um, luckily because when it wasn't luck, it was definitely the Lord, but because of my clinical experience, I knew what it was. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't spend months just sad and suffering and, and in this horrible dark place. So I immediately got help and started on a, a course of treatment with my mental health as well as spiritual health in order to get emotionally healthy so that I could be a mom. Um, And so for me, after I went through that and um, went and got my own counseling and took some medicine, got some help, uh, definitely a lot of uh, church members and friends and family that gave me helping hands in those weeks and months to come, I've spent the last decade of my career focused on how to help new moms not struggle the way that I struggled. Because when I was going through it, you know, there really weren't any resources 10 years ago. I mean, there, there really weren't like even Instagram, there wasn't this just, I guess, community of women that I could go to. It's come so far. Um, But as a clinician, I've spent, I guess, the last decade of my career trying to figure out how to help women and, and focusing on a treatment plan for them to get them well. I love that. That's how I, that's how I got here. (laughs) And I can relate to that. Like in, in the early days of my son's birth and he was, he's a, an 08 baby. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm aging myself now, but so there wasn't a lot of resources. And I remember confiding in my sister that if I had known now what I had known then I would Mm -hmm. have become a mom that's Mm -hmm. what I felt in that moment that's not how I feel now but when I was in that dark spot I felt like I can't do this I don't want to do this I want to take it out and it was met with so much judgment and so much shame Mm -hmm. that I kept my mouth quiet And I think that that is a fear of so many women that they don't understand that because they're, they're mentally and emotionally unhealthy, that does not make them bad moms. Mm -hmm. Feeling those hard feelings does not make you a bad mom. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And it's, and I definitely had um, a few judgy statements that were said to me when I started to speak out about my postpartum depression. Um, I remember someone said, oh, do you not love your baby? And me being so horrified because having some baby blues or depression or anxiety after you become a mom or even later in motherhood has absolutely nothing to do about whether or not you love your child. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I always, when I hear that story, Carla, my heart just goes out to you because it's just like, oh, like I never want any mom to hear that. I want moms to hear me like, I would like to think I'm pretty emotionally healthy and happily married was super excited to have a baby, but still, even I went through it and I'm very much a lover of Jesus. 
And it had absolutely nothing to do with whether or not I was a good mom, um, postpartum depression and anxiety. It's just, it is what it is. It, it doesn't define us as mothers. No, it doesn't. And I love that that is your position. And what I've recognized too, in working with clients on my end, um, who have much older children is that if you don't start putting in the practices of self-care at the beginning, they don't magically appear later Mm. and, and your life is fuller and busier. So it's so important to right away, start to put those into place. Like what type of, of care, like if a woman is struggling, if a new mom is struggling, what can she do? What practical steps can she take to support her in that? Mm. Well, I always talk about three minutes self-care because for, for me, when I had my first baby, like a massage or going to a spa or going to a yoga class was completely out of this. That wasn't even a possibility for me with where we were at just financially in that season. And just practically, I just, I couldn't even fathom leaving the house for that long and recovering from having a C-section. And so I I always say we need to not think that big Um, self-care. It needs to be more than a shower, but a shower is a good start, but anything that can be done in three minutes is self-care. And for me, sometimes that's, I know it's silly. I always talk about putting on mascara for me every day. I would get up, brush my teeth, wash my face and put on mascara. Mm -hmm. And that just made me feel like me. Um, it reminded myself that I was still me, that just because I had become a mom, that that hadn't changed. Like Rachel was still there. Um, and, and for some people, mascara would not be your form of self-care. Sometimes it's organizing a drawer, taking a walk, walking outside and letting the sun just hit your face. Um, it, there are so many little ways that we can remind ourselves that we are exactly who God says we are. And I like to focus with little three minute self-care. I know a friend of mine, one of her favorite ways was to like put crushed ice in a mason jar and fill it up with sparkling water and cut up a lemon or cucumber and just sit on the back porch and just enjoy really good like water. And it's for her, it felt fancy. And it felt like she was loving on herself and just, she would take that time and pray. And I just love that. I'm like, we all have a piece of fruit and water in our fridge and we can just do those kinds of things for ourselves. So I say, start with three minutes at a time. And then absolutely. I don't ever want any, any woman, any mother to hear it's only three minutes. We stack the three minutes on top of each other over and over again. And taking those three minutes, ladies, it's okay. If your child cries for three minutes, I promise this licensed therapist is saying your child can in a healthy, safe way can cry for three minutes while you go do something for yourself. Even a newborn can cry for three minutes and you go and you do, do those things for yourself. And I, I had to take minutes. Um, my older son had horrible colic and he had a dairy allergy that we didn't know about for months, which was, was really hard. And he would cry if he wasn't eating or sleeping, he was crying all the time. Mm -hmm. And, and he's the most wonderful kid now. Like he's not like that at all. Now he always says, but mom, tell him I'm like good now. So I always want (laughs) to put that out there. But if, if he wasn't eating or sleeping, he was crying. And so I did like put him safely in his crib 
with the baby monitor. And I would just walk outside and just sit on my porch for a few minutes and let myself have that three minute reset because mm-hmm. I just had to. And that was really hard for me to put him down and let him, what, what I guess some mothers would say, well, he's suffering. He was fed. He was dry. He was just crying. But in order for me to give him the care that he needed, but also for me to take care of myself, I had to do this three minute breaks constantly. Um, and to do them as much as I could, as often as I could. And the more that I stacked them on top of each other, the better I started to feel. Three and minutes just feels like something moms can wrap their their head around in the beginning. Yes, that makes sense. it's doable, right? Like mm-hmm. you're already overwhelmed. We don't need to add more overwhelm to it. Like you need to find an hour. And yes, I love that idea of three minutes and stacking it. And it's so true. I think sometimes as moms, we think that, now that we're moms, our job is to completely empty ourselves for our kids every day. But that's backwards. We need to be whole and healthy in order for us to steward and to step into our anointing as mothers the way God has called us to. If we are not caring for ourselves, how can we expect to fully care for someone else? Mm-hmm. Oh, now, yeah. what? What would you say to the mom who worries that that's actually selfish? Yeah, I, I hear that often where I have a lot of new moms on my caseload right now that are just like, I just feel so selfish. You know, when my husband comes home and they're, you know, on maternity leave and they want their husband to take over their partner to take over while they take a walk, that just feels so selfish, Rachel. And I'm like, you're a human being. We are not. God, we are not a deity. We are not, our energy is not limitless. And I think in our humanity, in motherhood, it's a really neat way to, I don't know, put our pride aside and realize that there is no perfect mom. And it's just, quite frankly, it's just not selfish. And the nature of taking a step away, like a sabbatical, like we're called to practice the Sabbath, like we are called to rest. And so if it's actually one of the 10 commandments that we rest. Mm -hmm. So I would just say, I mean, it's, it's absolutely biblical to take that time away. And that's exactly how you're going to be the mom you're supposed to be is by taking those walks, scheduling that time to exercise, whatever that might be. Those are absolutely biblical. Because we're just, we're not God. And even God took the seventh day to rest. So Mm -hmm. shouldn't we? Yeah. And there is no, there is no day off for motherhood. Like there's no, and that's always hard. I'm doing a Bible study right now. I'm doing Jen Wilkins, 10 words to live by, which I highly recommend. Um, And that was one of the hardest chapters for me because I was like, how does a mom rest? My kids still need to eat. There's still piles of laundry or whatever that might be, but we are, we are still called to rest and to find little ways to incorporate that rest. And it's not selfish because God says it's not. And I think one thing that we're missing in North America is the idea of family is very different than the idea of family in a lot of other areas of the world. Like when they say it takes a village, very practically in a lot of other cultures, raising children is a quote unquote village task. It's multi-generational homes. Everyone is responsible for the kids. And, And in our 
independence in in North America, we've kind of lost that. And moms are all of a sudden expected to do it all. Where that is actually, I don't think God's intention. God himself is community. He's triune God. Like we are meant for community. And I know that was really hard for me as a new mom. It's even hard for me now to reach out for community and to reach out and get pressed in and to accept help. We want help. We want to rest, but then we can't accept help. How do we get over that? How do we get over not wanting to ask for help? Yes. And then accepting it. Oh, well, and this might be kind of harsh, but we dig into it and say, is it about pride? Mm. Because we have to put our pride aside and ask for help. I mean, there just, there is no motherhood without help. I'm sorry. I just, no, I agree. At least not good motherhood. And I always say, is it about pride and that's harsh, but looking in your heart and saying like, am I too proud? Do I want the moms on the playground to think I'm doing it all my, all by myself? Or do I want it to look this way on Instagram? Or do I want my highlight reel to be this way? And maybe, maybe it's not about pride, but I think it often is for me, it is. And it's like, we dig under that feeling and say, is it pride? And if it is, we have to pray that God will help it, help us put it aside. Yeah. Because we're, we're not called to walk in pride. We're not. And it's and, not how you earn your worth either. Sometimes as women, we like to wear the badge of busyness and productivity mm-hmm. and earn our worth. We have to earn our worth through mm-hmm. doing all the things. Oh, I know. And it's especially in the culture that I grew up in, I grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina in the South where mothers are very much like almost like martyrs. And it's, they, it's almost like a bragging right for how horrible your, your childbirth was and how, how hard it was and how much you struggled and you did it yourself and all of these things. And I always look at it and just say, why do we need to make it harder than it already naturally is going to be? Mm -hmm. I just, I absolutely think we're not called, we're not called to shush our babies at the end of cul-de-sacs all alone. We're meant to do this together. We're meant to call our neighbor and say, can you take my baby for just a minute? So I can like actually take a shower or use the bathroom by myself or whatever it might be. I just think we're absolutely called to do that. And for me, it very much was pride. I didn't want people to think us, honestly, it's, it's kind of embarrassing, but I was worried that it would ruin my career. That mm. if people knew that I was, you know, I had postpartum depression that like, oh, well, I'm never getting a referral again. And, and clients are going to hear, and they're going to think, oh, I'm mentally ill and all of these things. And actually the opposite happened. My career expanded. And now obviously having this amazing opportunity with Lisa Turkhurst, um, partnering with her, writing this book. And so with that, I just, I think we put our pride aside. That's really where we grow. And I love how you said busyness badge, Carla, because I was like, oh my gosh, if that's not the truth, Mm. that we wear this badge of look how hard this is, look how busy we are. And aren't we proud of that? Um, Really? It's like, how biblical is that? Yeah. Yeah. I like how you said and how you highlight that what you thought would be the downfall of your business proved to be 
an expansion of it. And I just love how God works. And I often share on the podcast that God will take what the enemy wants to use against us and turn it into something good and not just something good for us, but so we can have kingdom impact. And that's what you're doing. Now, you mentioned this book and Lisa and tell us about that, because that's such an exciting opportunity. And I am so thrilled for you and so excited about how you're going to be able to reach so many more women. It's, it's crazy. She, um, in September of 2020 launched, uh, a book proposal bootcamp. So a competition where you had to apply and submit a writing sample. And I don't know, thousands of women, I don't know, it was something like a thousand women applied and they accepted a hundred applicants for a book proposal competition with her compel book line. And she partnered with Thomas Nelson publishing, which is a division of Harper Collins. And what happened with that is they had a hundred, it almost reminded me of going to grad school is it was a whole semester of classes, coursework meetings and coming up with a 69 page book proposal, which is basically, this is what I'm going to write in my book. It's lots of research. And then it's three sample chapters that you submit to the publisher. And then Lisa and, and my agent and her team picked finalists out of the hundred. And then, which I can't believe I got in and it's so surreal. And then my book was picked and it was so, so surreal that, that it was picked. When I saw that she was having the program, I was like, oh, I'm not going to apply for that. And God said, yes, you are. And I was like, oh man. <laughs> and I, I was fighting it because I was like, I do not have the time to write a book. I do work full time. I'm a busy mom. And God said, yes, you are. You're going to write it. And I was like, what would I write a book on? And God doesn't like talk to me out loud very often, but he yeah. was like postpartum. And I was like, okay, all right. And so I put in a writing sample and I said, okay, God, if, if they pick me, I will write this book. Lo and behold, he said, you hear you go, Rachel. I know we don't make, I don't make like lots of deals with God, but that was one of those moments. I was like, okay, God, I'll do it. If yes, <laughs> I know he was just, you laughing. put the fleece out, you put yes. the fleece out. <laughs> yes, yes, I did. And you know, it's, I'm again, I'm a new author. I've always wanted to write a book, but having the opportunity to write a book that doesn't exist. Um, there's never been one that's uh, written for new moms. Cause it's not just for postpartum depression and anxiety. It's for all new moms, because in my experience, all new moms struggle yes. and every mom experiences some baby blues and some identity struggles and just what I knew what to expect when I was expecting, but nobody tells us what to expect, what to expect after we've already expected. And so with that, it's so surreal for the fact that, you know, I can only see a certain number of clients a week, but that the treatment plan that I've used on thousands of women could help thousands and thousands more. And to be able to amplify that message and to bring that hope and my story for how I got better and how I've watched all these women that I treat in my practice, how they got better and just the hope and promise in it. It's, it's still surreal that I wrote a book. It's still surreal. And then it's going to be in your hands in the spring, which is wild. That is, it's called a mom is born, or at least that's what it's called now. I know with Mm -hmm. writing books, 
and it's out to May. Something could happen, but as of right now, it's called A Mom is Born, coming out May 9th. And I just want to encourage women that what you're struggling through right now may not be postpartum. You may be in a different stage of motherhood. I know I'm I'm going through a season of grief in my motherhood with a teenager that no one prepares you for either. I just want to encourage you that there is hope and God has plan and purpose for our pain. He does not waste anything. And if you lean into him, he will in a beautiful way turn it into something that not only will bless you, but bless others. Just like we're seeing with Rachel, Rachel's hard time has turned into a beautiful way for her to bless other women in her practice, in her book. And it's just so incredible. That is the God that we serve beauty from ashes. Mm. Now, before we go, is there any last words of encouragement you want to tell the mom that's struggling right now? That is, is not feeling like a good enough mom. It's feeling like she's dropping the ball, feeling like she's not measuring up. What would you say to her today? I would say that Hmm. Oh gosh. I would have so much to say. (laughs) I had like four (laughs) thoughts coming to my head at once. I would say that just keep swimming and keep going. And remember that what, what good thing comes from believing you're a bad mom. I can't think of one good thing because guilt should give guilt should serve a purpose and mom guilt. So much of the time, if I feel guilty because I yelled at my son and that really wasn't the right response. And if it serves to change my behavior, to be more godly, then it should be there. But if you're experiencing feelings like you're a bad mom and all of those, those horrible thoughts, I really want to encourage you over and over again to tell them to go away. And it sounds weird to talk to your thoughts, but the stronger you get to tell them to go away because nothing good comes from believing you're a bad mom. Mm -hmm. I've never seen it motivate a mom to be better, but what does motivate you to be a good mom is saying, I'm doing a good job, but I'm going to keep working on A, B, C, D, and E. Mm -hmm. I'm a great mom, but I'm not going to drop the ball on this tomorrow. I'm going to work harder at this and to really count those thoughts and being able to say what good comes from believing I'm a bad mom, because I just, I believe that spiritual warfare. I do. I think, I believe that it's the enemy's favorite way to mess with us as moms, because our ministry to our children, to raising up warriors for Christ, he wants to get in the way of that. Mm -hmm. And I don't go to the enemy too much, but, and, and default on that. But in my practice, I just see it again and again and again of just, why don't, what if you just believed you were a good mom, but you still have stuff you want to work on? That's so different than saying I'm a bad mom because that's not true. It's just not I true. love that. I'm a good mom. I just have some stuff to work on. Yep. And that applies. And so I'm a good wife. I just have some stuff to work, stuff on. To work on. I'm a good mm-hmm. friend. I just have some stuff to work on. Like mm-hmm. I am a good daughter of the king. I just have some things to work on. I love that. That's so applicable to everything. Oh, I just appreciate our conversation so much, Rachel. You can find Rachel on Instagram at Rachel Hunt Elmore. I'll put that in the, the show notes. Is there anywhere else that they can find you? 
Yes. They can also find me. I'm on Facebook, but also everything, all my links, everything's on rachelelmore.com. And my name is R-A-C-H-A-E-L, not E-L, but rachelelmore.com. And um, definitely DM me, reach out to me. And because I want to know, I want to answer all of your questions and I want to know how to write the best content possible to help all moms that are struggling and all women that are struggling with depression or anxiety or just feeling like they're not enough. And so I would be honored to be a part of any of those conversations. And this has just been truly just a privilege to get to sit with you today, Carla. And I appreciate it so much. Oh, thank you guys. Definitely go give Rachel a follow. Um, Even if you're not in the new mom stage, you will be encouraged. Thanks for joining me today. I hope we're already friends on social media, but if we're not, come find me on Instagram at Carla Arges or at Affirming Truth. Can't wait to see you back here next week. Bye, friends.